You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. Good morning. Uh, so this is new. <laughs> see if I can type in my password right on my computer. And there it is. All right, so again, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Alaska. If you want to be on the inside, though, my real name is David. All right, it's David. Okay, so the deal was I came here uh, three years ago in 2015, and there were already so many Davids, not just on staff at the church, but also just running around the place. So it was either going to be Alaska or Davy Poo or something like that. And so I decided, surprisingly, to go with Alaska. Um, They call me that because I'm from Alaska. I grew up in this tiny little town out in the middle of nowhere. Um, And I brought my violin this morning because I wanted to share with you a little bit of my backstory on how how the heck I learned to play violin out out there in the middle of nowhere. So it all started in the second grade, okay? Me and my little brother, Caleb, we started second grade together, okay? And we started on this, it's called a recorder. It's this little whistle. I have have a picture for you. so there's me on the violin, and this is like a year later. Um, my little brother's, you, you, you can't see it super well. It's about the size of this microphone. You kind of hold it like this and blow into it and make, make noise. It's a very beautiful instrument, I guess. Um, it's a good instrument to learn on. Anyways, I, uh, I started playing on a recorder, and pretty quickly my mom, she caught on that I had some, some natural musical ability. Um, and so she gave me this challenge. I was working through this book of songs, and she said if I learned all the songs in the book by the time I was done with second grade, she would let me pick whatever instrument that I wanted to learn, and she would pay for lessons for it. And so I was having fun with recorder, so I figured I'll go for it. So I learned all the songs, and then a year later, my mom asked me, what do you want to learn? My second grade teacher, she played the violin. She played it well. I thought it was beautiful, awesome instrument. So I said, violin, that's what I want to learn. So she and my dad bought me my first violin and paid for lessons. And I would take lessons all the way up through like 11th grade in high school. I cannot imagine the number of dollars that added up to all of the lessons that they paid for. Um, Sometimes I would outgrow a teacher and move on to another teacher. Sometimes a teacher would move away and I'd have to wait for a while until I got another person to teach me violin, but I always played and I always practiced and I always challenged myself with newer, more difficult pieces. And around seventh grade, I got a new teacher. This guy surprisingly, I have no idea how it happened, but he moved out into my little town in the middle of nowhere. And he was incredible. Like he was as good as they get. So I started taking lessons from him. And I remember he, he laid down this, this sometimes a, a music teacher will do this where they, they put a piece of music in front of you. And they're like, this is what we're working on next. And you look at it and some of you may have experienced this. You look at it and you're like, there's, there's no way. There's no way I can play this. It's too advanced. It's too difficult. Um, And I never felt more like that than when my teacher put down the Mendelssohn violin concerto in front of me. I flipped through this. It had, I don't even remember how many pages it had, just page after page of new challenges and new dynamics. And as I looked at it, I just thought, I can't do this. There's no way. But sure enough, a year later, two to three hours of practice every day, a lot of violin lessons. I played the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto. It's a big, big accomplishment for me, big goal. Um, 
And later on after, after you know, stopping with violin lessons because the teacher moved away again, I, uh, I started picking up guitars. I started to sit down at pianos and they just made sense. They just worked. Like I could just play them. I remember thinking the, the guitar lead line on Sweet Child of Mine was really cool. And so I sat down with my guitar and started to pick it out. And I just, I figured it out. You know, it just made sense. Same with piano because I had this foundation with music. You know, I just, I had this foundation of learning the violin and putting so much time, energy, effort into practicing it. So I had all the fundamentals down and it all just translated over to these other areas of music. And so that's, that's kind of what the violin represents when it comes to music for me. It represents, it represents all of my musical ability, my, my natural abilities with music and the training that I went through to learn it and all of the experience that's brought me to where I am. And I don't just have one violin, so to speak. I don't just have one instrument, both literally, but I'm thinking more metaphorically right now. I have other instruments. I have other things that I'm naturally gifted at, yeah? I have other things that I've learned through training. I have other abilities. I have other things that I've experienced that have taught me, that have brought me to a new place in my life. And that's, that's, the, that's the big thing that the violin represents this morning. It represents all of my natural abilities. It represents all of my training and all of my experience in all the different areas. So I want to pose the question to you this morning. What is your violin? What's your violin? What are your natural abilities? What are you gifted at? What have you been trained to do over the years? What do you have a ton of experience in? Maybe for some of you, you've put a lot of time into education and you've earned a degree. Maybe for some of you, you're very gifted with your hands at some kind of a craft. Maybe you're highly relational. You have the ability to really connect with people. Maybe you have the ability to earn a lot of money. What are you, what's your violin and what is worship? What is worship? That's what we're talking about this morning. And I'm gonna tie all of this together. Very excited about what God has to say about this. And we're gonna look at what God has to say about it here in just a minute. Before we do that, if you've been coming to Riverside for any amount of time, you've probably noticed this, uh, this thing that we do every single Sunday. The pastor, whoever's talking, will always pray before we dig into the word of God. And I wanna just say that I'm so glad that our pastors do that. Because in our Bible, the Bible that you're holding in your hands or on your smartphone, man, there, there are the keys in that book to an abundant life, a joy-filled life, an eternal life. And we want to take God at his word, right? We want to take him at his word. We want to do what he says. So when we pray before we get into scripture, it's important. It's a very serious time. And I want us to all echo this same prayer as we, as we talk to God, as we ask him to help us understand what he wants us to understand. So would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me and just echo this prayer. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for another opportunity to come together and fellowship and be the church. God, I know that you have something to say this morning. And so I ask that you would speak. I ask that you would do what only you can do, God. And I ask that you would help us understand your ways a little bit more this morning. Help us to understand what you want to say to us and help us to be willing 
to receive it and to hear it. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna be in the book of Romans this morning. Romans chapter six, verse 13. If you hit the New Testament, it's about three quarters of the way through your Bible. You're gonna see Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans is right after that. And I love the book of Romans, okay? If I was stuck on an island and I could only have one book of the Bible with me, I would take Romans. Paul is the, is the man who wrote this book. One of the most godly men who ever lived, I believe. And he was one of the leaders of the early church. And he, had, he really had a, a place in his heart for the Romans. He really loved the Roman people. And he really wanted to get to them physically to be able to tell them this with his own words. Um, but every time he would try to get to Rome, he was cut off. He wasn't able to get to them. So I believe when he sat down to write this letter to them, he had in mind, I may never actually make it to Rome. I may never actually get to them. So if that's the case, I gotta get as much of this stuff in there as I possibly can. So he wrote this and it is just packed. It's packed with wisdom on how to live a godly life. And in this verse specifically that we're looking at, Romans 6, 13, Paul, I believe, is trying to help the Romans the Romans figure out this question of what is worship and how does it relate to our violin, to our natural abilities, to our experience and our training. So let's get into it. Romans 6.13, it starts by saying, do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Let's stop right there. What is serving sin? We wanna define that before we move on so we can really understand the next things that are said. Paul talks, talks about our body. He says, don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Now, I believe when Paul says your body, I think he's talking about our violin. I think he's talking about all of the, the things that the violin represents this morning, the natural abilities, the training, the experience, the things that we have to give, the things that we can offer. I think that's what body represents in this passage. And don't let your body, don't let your violin become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Now, the question of what is serving sin, this can be, this can be a tough question a lot of the time because the answer is hard to swallow. Serving sin, I think when we hear that, we, it, it sounds pretty like blatantly bad, like, if you're serving sin, you must be trying to serve sin. Like serving takes effort usually. But I think that when it comes to serving sin, it can be a lot less obvious than, than the stuff that first comes to mind, like lying, murder, the things that'll land you in jail, even by earthly standards. Serving sin sometimes is something that will happen just when we're not really paying attention, when we let our guard down. Serving sin, I think, is when we take our violin when we take the things that we have to give and we give it to someone or something other than God. When we take our violin and we serve something other than God. And again, this can happen a lot of the time just when we're not paying attention. It could be your spouse. It could be your children. It could be your boss. I think a lot of the time it's ourselves And Paul says, don't do that. Don't let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, he goes on to say, give yourself completely to God. 
right? So before, because other people should be impacted by what we have to give, but not before we give ourselves completely to God. And so the question then is why? Why give ourselves completely to God? Because sometimes I, I think that we hold, we hold our violin in our hands and we just think, no, no, this, this is mine. I worked hard for this. I poured in so much of myself for this. I went through so much for this. And we hold it in our hands and it just, we can't let it go. The idea of handing it over to someone else can be really, really difficult. When I was a kid, my mom would always say, David, you have such a gift. You're so blessed. God has given you such a gift with your violin. And that, whenever she would say that to me, I'm going to be honest with you, it made me angry. I would get upset. And I would think and sometimes even, <laughs> even say out loud to her, Mom, I worked hard on this. I put in a ton of effort to this. I put in a ton of time, energy, work. I didn't just wake up and was able to play like that. This was hard. And I think for, for a lot of you in the room, you've been, you've been working at things a lot longer than little baby David had been working on his violin at that point, right? You've put, some of you have put your entire life into something that you're trained to do or something that you have a ton of experience in some of the natural abilities you have, you've, you've put a lot more into it. And it can be really hard. It can be so hard to take that and just ah, give it away. So in answer to the question of how, why give, give ourselves completely to God, there's a pretty simple answer. And it's not, I think that it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to come to terms with sometimes. Um, it's a very simple answer. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. And yet, <laughs> I think that we stop thinking about it after we're kids a lot of the time. The long and short is that we were created. All right, you, you did not create yourself. You didn't just appear in your mother's womb by your design. That didn't happen. You were created. So anything that comes from you, anything that, that's good that might come from you is simply an imitation of your creator. It's an imitation of God. It's an imitation of who he is. How could we claim something that we didn't make? So our violin, our gift, our abilities, we have to, we have to recognize that those are not ours to own. Those are not ours. They're God's. He created us. He created them. And it, it should all go back to him because that's what God wants. He wants it to all be used to serve him. And he's God. And so if that's all there was to it, honestly, that's enough, right? That's enough. We should have no issue with taking everything that we have, our violin, and handing it to God freely because he's God. He is God. It's all his anyways, but here's the crazy, here's the crazy thing about it. Um, God, he doesn't just sit on his throne and demand that of us. Now he went, he went so far above and beyond what he needed to do. The next part of this verse says, for you were dead, but now you have new life. 
this new life. I think a lot of you have experienced what the new life is. And it's incredible. The new life occurs when we give our old life up. The new life, it, we get that when we, when we offer ourselves to Jesus, when we pray to him and tell him, Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, I fall short. Jesus, I need you. I need you to cleanse me of my sin. We get the new life when we turn our heart over to Jesus. And the only reason... The only reason that we can do that, the only reason that we can actually give our hearts to Jesus is because of what he did for us. If you're new here and you've never heard this story before, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us. We believe that God is perfect and that we are sinful and that sin can't stand in the presence of God. And so we had this, we had this problem that we could not fix ourselves. And God, he sent Jesus. And Jesus lived that sinless life. And he paid the debt that we never, ever could have paid on our own, no matter how hard we work, no matter how hard we try, no matter how gifted we are. We can't pay that debt. We couldn't pay that debt, not on our own. And that's what Jesus' death on the cross represents. It's him paying that debt for us that we owed. Give yourself completely to God for you were dead, but now you have new life. Another way to say that is give yourself completely to God because he gave himself completely to you. He held nothing back from us. He literally gave his whole body, everything that he was, he gave it up for us. So he modeled what this looked like before even, before even telling us to do it, before having us offer our gifts and everything that we are. He did it first. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. He did it because he loves us. And so Paul goes on and he says, so use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Because of what Jesus did, use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. So the thought there is put your violin in the hands of God. Put your violin in the hands of God. Think hard. What are, my, what are my natural abilities? What am I gifted at? What do I have to offer? What have I been trained to do? And then you, you take that and you say, God, this is yours. This is yours. I'm giving it to you. Take this and do whatever you want to. And that's the choice we make. This is where we have a little bit of control, all right? Because the reality is that control, it's either here or there. We have two options of what we do with control, control of our violin, okay? As this verse paints out, we can either give our whole body as an instrument of evil to serve sin, or we can give our body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. If sin, 
We have God and we can either put the control of our violin with sin or with God. And that's our decision. That's really our one decision. And that's all the control that we have is where to put the control. Beyond that, we have no control. There is no third option. And if you think you found the third option and you're just, you're just serving yourself and not sin or God, you, you're serving sin. I'm sorry, but that's just the reality. You're serving sin. You can't serve yourself. You're either gonna serve sin or you're gonna serve God. So which will you choose? Paul, I think beautifully, beautifully he wraps this up later on in the book of Romans in chapter 12, verse one. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So that answers our question, right? What is worship? This, that's your true offering of worship. Your body as a living sacrifice. And living sacrifice means that it's daily, it's weekly, it's monthly, it's yearly, it's all the time. It's a, it's a living sacrifice. It's not a dead sacrifice. A dead sacrifice is when we come to this place and we sing a few songs on a Sunday morning and that's our only worship throughout the entire week. That is a dead offering. That's a dead sacrifice. And God wants a living sacrifice. He wants all of it daily. We constantly turn ourselves over to God. We constantly give him our violin. So in closing with this message, there's one more, there's one more really cool metaphor that's woven into this, this passage. Paul uses this word instruments twice in this passage, and he uses it at other points in Romans as well. And the word instruments, it translates in the original Hebrew as weapons. Weapons for either defense or offense. Now, Paul, he was talking to the Romans and they were warriors. So he's using this metaphor to really connect with them. And I believe that it really connects with us too, because we are also called to be warriors of our faith. We are called to be the light of the world in our homes, in our schools, at our jobs, in our communities, in all the different environments that we find ourselves, we're called to be warriors, the light of the world. And you may be sitting there in your chair thinking right now, well, that's, that's great. I've heard that before, but what do I do with that? Where's the practical application? I don't know the first thing about how to do that. And I just, I wanna let you know this morning, you can relax because I'm in the same boat, honestly. I'm in the same boat as you. I have no idea how. But what I do know is that when we take our violin and, and we, we offer it to God and he takes our violin and then it's out of our hands, then God has our violin. God is in control. And we are no longer the ones that are playing the violin. We're no longer the ones that are trying to figure it out desperately. How do we do this? God's in control. He's the one who tells you where to go. He's the one who tells you what to say. And the pressure is off. That's a good thing. 
That's a really good thing. The pressure is not on us anymore. If we would just give God our violin, then it's up to him. It's up to him what he's going to do with that. This means though, this means that with our, our worship, when we give God our violin, other people should be impacted by our worship. Let that really sink in for a minute. Other people should be impacted by our worship. Both here on a Sunday morning and in your own world when you leave this place, it's not just between you and God. Other people should be impacted by your worship. And if other people are not being impacted by our worship, then our worship stinks. Our worship is lame. And God had some, he had some pretty choice words. <laughs> he had some choice words to say with people who had lousy worship. He speaks through the prophet Amos in chapter five of the book of Amos in verse 21. And he says, I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and solemn assemblies. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice all your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice, an endless river of righteous living. The endless river of righteous living, the living sacrifice. They are the same thing. We constantly die to ourselves daily. See, these people, they were attempting to worship God, but it was a dead sacrifice. It wasn't the whole violin. They were giving him a little piece. And God says, I hate this. So I think that we need to take some time, think about our own worship and our worship here in the church and ask the question and think hard. I wonder, I wonder if God ever thinks that about my worship. I wonder if God ever looks at my worship or our worship and thinks, I hate this. I hate this. This doesn't honor me. This is a dead sacrifice. Give me a mighty flood of justice. Give me an endless river of righteous living. Give me the whole violin. I really hope God doesn't think that about my worship. I really hope he doesn't think that about our worship. He doesn't want to think that about our worship. He wants to see our worship and be able to accept that and be pleasing to him. And he wants us to model this for others. So my two little girls should understand what worship is because I've modeled it for them. Other people in your life, they should understand what worship is because you've modeled it to them. God wants that. So the question this morning is how will you put your violin in the hands of God? 
how will you put your violin in the hands of God? If you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me. Worship team, come up, you guys come up. How will you put your violin in the hands of God? What are you naturally gifted at? What are you trained to do? What do you have to offer? And how will you give it to God? Will you give it to God? Will you give him your violin? You most of my life, when I was a kid growing up playing the violin, I didn't, I didn't do it for God. I didn't play for him. My violin was for myself, for sin, even though I didn't realize it at the time. My violin was to bring myself glory. It was to impress other people. But when I met Jesus, when I, when I truly met him for the first time, I gave him my violin. I gave it to him and my life has never been the same. If you had asked me back then if I would ever work at a church in the creative arts department or be preaching on a Sunday morning, I would have laughed at you. But I gave God, I gave Jesus my violin and look at what he's done with it. Think of what God can do if you give him your violin. Some of you know because you gave him your violin a long time ago and you can stand, you could stand in this room and testify I would never take it back. I would never go back to that day and take my violin back. Because this is so much better. God's plan for our violin is so much better. So how will you put your violin in the hands of God? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the gifts that you give us. Thank you that you are so good to us. Thank you that you're always merciful and you're always willing to take us right where we're at. God, help me, help us to be surrendered to you. Help us to not hold on to what we have, to the things you've given us but help us to freely give them joyfully knowing that you have a plan, that your ways are higher, that you know what's best. Help us to steal ourselves that no matter what it looks like, no matter what comes, we are yours. And the gifts that we have are yours. And use this church, God, to build your kingdom. Through our worship, let other lives be impacted. Let people know more about who you are because of our worship. Help us to have a living sacrifice with our lives, God. Help us to always be reminded not to have a dead sacrifice. God, as we offer our hearts to you in this time, I pray that you would just see it, God, that you would be pleased by our worship through songs, that you would help steal within us to worship you as we leave this place. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.